Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from T-Mobile Park out in Seattle. It's the Seattle Mariners 3, the Cleveland Guardians 1. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And the good news is it's this time of year where, yeah, you do some scoreboard watching, and both the White Sox and the Minnesota Twins lost yesterday, so the entire top of the American League Central goes down. Nobody gains any ground on us, so the loss doesn't come back to hurt us. Now, normally, I love watching baseball being played, but I'm going to be honest. That was one of the most boring baseball games I have ever seen in my life. I mean, all the scoring happens in the first inning. And then both starting pitchers just lock in, induce weak contact. I mean, nobody was really up against the ropes uh, until maybe the eighth inning when the Guardians had a chance with Jose Ramirez up to bat. I mean, it was it was rough. It was a boring baseball game. And, you know, a 4 o'clock start here in Cleveland means... You know, you're you're watching the game at you know the last hour of work, and then you're driving home, and then you get home, and you gotta you know entertain the family. The dog's jumping on you. The baby wants to play, and so yeah, it literally is on in the background for everything that happens from like four to seven p.m. Right, very busy time of day to try to be watching a baseball game. So I have it on. I, I've got it on the phone. I've got it in the car. I've got it on the TV. Once I get home. And yeah, it just, man, I mean, some days baseball really can just be a grind. And this was one of those games, but there's still things we can learn from this one. So this may not be the longest episode ever, but frankly, there ain't that much that happened in this baseball game. Like I said, all the scoring happens in that first inning. I mean, the Mariners are held to four hits, four hits. That's it. Cleveland is held to six hits. I mean, there really was not a lot going on in this game. All right, so let's just get the scoring out of the way. The Guardians have a nice little first inning rally. Quan with a leadoff double on like the second pitch of the game. Pops one into right field. Ahmed Rosario shoots a single, moves him over to moves him over to third. Then Jose Ramirez with runners on the corners. We ground one up the middle. Uh, they would get the runner at second. They can't turn the double play. They were sacrificing the run anyways because it's a fielder's choice. It goes as another RBI for Jose Ramirez. He almost, he does, he doesn't almost, he takes out the first baseman, Ty France, because it's a bad throw from J.P. Crawford. Uh, France has to leap for it, and when he does, he kind of throws his leg back, and uh, Ramirez just plows right through it. They both go down to the ground. Uh, so a little bit of ugly play there, uh, but Jose Ramirez gets himself an RBI. Talk about doing it the hard way, the dirty way. Uh, he gets himself an RBI there. Uh, he would get thrown out stealing though. So he can't, we can't do anything with an Oscar Gonzalez single after that. I mean, it would have been nice if Ramirez could have stolen that base. Gonzalez, the single would have driven in another run. So I get being aggressive there. Uh, but then the inning comes to the end with Josh Naylor. Uh, I believe, grounding out to end things. So, uh, you know, they were talking when Ramirez gets thrown out stealing this base. They were talking about the catcher, Cal Raleigh, for Seattle. Like, oh, you don't run on this guy. Don't run on Cal Raleigh. And I'm trying to find, like, the stats on this. He does not have a great pop time. 
Now, the best pop time in baseball throwing to second base is still JT Real Muto at 1.83. Uh, Jorge Alfaro, who we just faced in San Diego, has an excellent pop time. Cal Raleigh comes in all the way at 45th in baseball at a 1.99 second pop time. Uh, I mean, both Luke Maley uh, and Austin Hedges are better than that. So I don't. I don't understand what it is about his pop time that's, you know, is it the arm? Well, I looked at the arm numbers for Cal Raleigh, and uh, the strongest arm is Christian Bethencourt at 88.4 mile per hour throws down to second base, I'm assuming. Uh, Cal Raleigh comes in at 15th on this list. He does have a better arm than our two catchers. Uh, So, yeah, I don't. I don't know what's so intimidating about Cal Raleigh. Is it the exchange? These are the stats that StatCast has. Um, no, when it comes to the exchange, he's pretty far down the list. Uh, he comes in at 61st in baseball, and all catchers in baseball when it comes to the exchange time. So, uh, yeah, I apparently he's throwing a lot of guys out, though. Uh, he is 8th on the list. According to Fox Sports, I was able to find some fielding stats on the caught stealing time. And uh, he three, 31%, basically 31.7% of runners are caught stealing by him. Luke Maley is sixth on this list. 32.3% of runners are caught stealing by him. So, yeah, uh, I, guess, I guess Cal Raleigh has a reputation as a defensive catcher, but he's still very young. So uh, we'll see if that... Uh, we'll see if they continue to run on him in this series. There's three more games in this series, and the Guardians love running on those bases. So we'll see if they continue to steal on him. So then uh, Tristan McKenzie, bottom of the first, he struggles in the first inning. It's no joke. Mandy Bell had, uh, basically her whole article was about it in the post game. And yeah, uh, he struggles in this one. He walks Julio Rodriguez. He couldn't find the fastball. He just couldn't. Uh, We'll go to the actual matchups here. Uh, Against Julio Rodriguez, He's all over the place with the fastball. Uh, misses, basically, he's in the count, one and two, and then misses with three pitches in a row. Drops a curveball in the dirt, tries to get him to chase, and then two fastballs at the top of the zone, except they're up at his head, right? Up above the shoulders. You're just not going to get a guy to chase that high. I mean, yeah, some guys will chase. But uh, Julio Rodriguez clearly not chasing all the way up there. You want that a little more at the armpits, right? at the top of the strike zone, then you do up at the head. So he ends up walking him. Then he's got to face Jesse Winker. Again, having trouble locating the fastball. Eventually, uh, the sixth pitch is a fastball on a 3-2 count, a fastball that's up and away and very easy to just shoot up the middle. Like This is an easy pitch to just shoot up the middle. This isn't challenging him up and in. Uh, he does on the fourth pitch of the at-bat. He challenges him up and in, and he fouls it off. This one is kind of up and away, and uh, he shoots it out in the center field for a single. And then Mitch Hanniger gets three sliders in a row, all down, all in the same location, middle of the plate. The first one is right at the knees for a called strike. The second one is in the dirt, uh, so it's a 1-1 count. And then the third one comes at the thighs, comes back up into the strike zone, and he unloads on it. 101.6 mile per hour exit velocity, 35 degree launch angle, 390 out to left center field. It's a 
three-run home run, and it's the game. On one pitch in this first inning, it's the game. And I don't know why he showed him three sliders in a row in basically the same location. I mean, that's you're, that's a recipe. We talk about this all the time. We see pitchers do it to the Guardians, right? Uh, they did it to Jose Ramirez in the game before where they threw him three sliders in a row, and he finally uncorks one. Um, so, yeah, so... I don't know what the game plan was there. Uh, he doesn't. Uh, Mitch Hanniger up until this point hadn't hit a home run off of a breaking pitch. He's been hammering fastballs all season. Okay, off breaking balls, he's a 231 slugging. So he doesn't normally do this. He does not normally hit sliders uh, for home runs. He doesn't have a home run on the season on a breaking pitch or an off-speed pitch. All his home runs, his six home runs, all have been off fastballs. So far this year. Well, he gets one here. Uh, he absolutely gets one here. And now uh, his seventh home run on the season. So, all right. I guess I understand a little bit of why they were throwing him sliders. But still, I move the location around. Go with a backdoor slider. Get him to chase one in the other batter's box. Three in a row down the middle. So, yeah, location, definitely a problem. For Tristan McKenzie in this first inning. However, he would settle in after this. And he would shut things down after this. I mean, both pitchers absolutely locks in. He he gets the next three guys out. uh, Goes 1-2-3 in the second. 1-2-3 in the third. Gives up a two-out walk to Carlos Santana. But gets three pop-outs in the fourth inning. Uh, And then uh, gives up a single in the fifth. But then gets three flyouts. A lot of things were given up in the air by Tristan McKenzie. Uh, two ground outs to six flyouts uh, over on his uh, over on the MLB app here on the box score. So yeah, he really settles down. I mean, sets down the next nine in a row, nine, ten, eleven in a row after giving up that three-run home run. And uh, the same would happen from uh, Gonzalez on the other side for the Mariners. Uh, he would give up a single in the second inning to uh, to Austin Hedges, a two-out single, but get three ground outs in that inning. Uh, he did a very good job. Seven ground outs to two fly balls. He was definitely getting the ground ball outs. And then uh, starting with Will Benson, he shuts down four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve in a row before walking Jose Ramirez in the sixth inning, but striking out Oscar Gonzalez to end his day. So, I mean, these guys really get on a run of just absolutely shutting down uh, shutting down the opposing offenses. And it's not great CSW numbers. It's interesting the location uh, because there was a clear plan here from the pitching. I don't feel like there was a clear plan from the hitters in this game, right? Against, in, uh, against Snell, Blake Snell, there definitely was a plan, right? You could see the plan attacking that fastball. There wasn't a plan against Marco Gonzalez. I mean, he had us on the ropes the whole game. And same with Tristan McKenzie after he gives up that home run. And the plan for McKenzie was high fastballs and then sliders and curveballs on the bottom half of the strike zone. Uh, That was definitely the plan. Actually, sliders kind of up and down. He kind of threw that slider up and down. Uh, So fastballs up, sliders to all four quadrants, curveballs down. That was the plan from Tristan McKenzie. For Marco Gonzalez... It was, uh, for the lefty, it was cutters to the glove side. It was fastballs to all four quadrants. 
It was change-ups away to the arm side, and it was curveballs to the glove side. Uh, But really staying in the strike zone, really being aggressive in the strike zone. I wouldn't say that he's laying the curveball or the change-up right down in the zone and the fastball up in the zone. He really did a good job of, for for at least the cutter, the fastball, and the curve, throwing them to all four quadrants. The change-up is basically down and into that arm side for Gonzalez. Now, it's not huge CSW numbers for either pitcher. Uh, It's only a 19% whiff rate for McKenzie. Does get nine called strikes on that fastball. It's a 23% CSW on the day. Uh, And for Marco Gonzalez, again, a 19% whiff rate. Not a high whiff rate. For the fastball, 13 called strikes. It is a 50% CSW on that forcing fastball. It's a 31% CSW on the day. Uh, limiting contact, though. I mean, inducing weak, weak contact. An 83.5 mile per hour average exit velocity. Off that cutter, we only averaged a 67.3 mile per hour exit velocity. And we swung at it 13 times. Uh, the fastball, we only averaged an 87.2 mile per hour exit velocity. The changeup, a 77.6 mile per hour average exit velocity. Yeah, we inducing really Really weak contact. Uh, for Tristan McKenzie, it was an average of a 90.7 mile per hour exit velocity. So, I mean, both of these pitchers absolutely cruise. And then we get into the bullpens, and we don't even get the top of the Mariners' bullpen here in a 3-1 game. Uh, you know, their closer, at least looking at their uh, at their baseball reference page, you know, I don't know if anything's going on with injuries or how much guys have been used lately. I didn't catch any of that, but Paul Sewell has been their closer most of the season. Uh, he's got 16 saves on the season. He's got a whip of 0.691. Very, very good uh, pitcher. Strikeouts per nine of 9.9. So this guy can strike some guys out. He doesn't go into this game. Instead, we get the young 23-year-old Andres Munoz. Well, so at first we get Eric Swanson. Then we get Matt Brash, who has struggled. He has a 5.15 ERA. He's got a 1.718 whip, and of course he can't get out of the eighth inning. Uh, you know, we have a chance here in the eighth inning. Uh, a single from Richie Palacios after a Benson pop-out and a Quan line-out. Ahmed Rosario would single. It would put two runners on for Jose Ramirez, and they said, all right, that's, that's enough of Matt Brash. We are not going to let him let this game get out of control. They go to Andres Munoz for the four-out save. And he delivers, uh, strikes out, uh, strikes out Jose Ramirez on a really tough at bat. Uh, really battles with uh, with them. Goes a seven pitch at bat and just throws him so many sliders. Six of the seven pitches are sliders, and just pounding him down at the knees with sliders. Fouls off a bunch and eventually just swings through one. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure. It's not like this. It had the most horizontal break of any slider that he threw him in this at-bat. It was the hardest slider he threw him in this at-bat. But for some reason, he just gets this one by him when he was able to foul off so many of them. So he gets Jose Ramirez there. And then in the uh, bottom of the ninth, uh, he gets Oscar Gonzalez to strike out on sliders. Again, more sliders. Starts him off with one fastball, and then the rest sliders down and away to Oscar Gonzalez. And eventually, after fouling one off, after taking one uh, you know, away in the dirt, he, he uh, strikes out swinging on one that comes back into the strike zone. 
Josh Naylor gets a ton of sliders. I mean, this guy just, he's like uh, Brian Shaw with cutters. Munoz, this guy just pounds sliders at you down at the knees. He eventually strikes out on a slider down at the knees. Uh, and then uh, finally, Andres Jimenez would ground out. Uh, he'd get a fastball and he'd put it in play and ground out to end things. So, uh, yeah, going back to that player breakdown page, uh, Munoz threw that slider, 13 swings on the slider, seven whiffs, a 54% whiff rate on that slider. Didn't get one called strike on it. So we were on it. We knew what was coming, but we couldn't put one in play. We fouled off six. We whiffed at seven. We didn't put one in play. All right, and Munoz shuts the door on us. Uh, the Guardians bullpen, uh, a pretty good day from uh, Sam Henches. Uh, he does give up a walk, but then he's able to get a double play and a strikeout. Sam Henches has been very solid. Very, very solid in relief. And then Eli Morgan, the struggles continue. Uh, he had trouble locating his fastball, uh, so he gives up two walks and a hit, but they're able to uh, they're able to get out of it. They're able to save things. Uh, yeah, so after getting the first two outs, a walk, single walk, loads the bases, but then he's able to strike out Jake Lamb, and it just looked like Eli Morgan was having real trouble with that fastball. Could not find that fastball really on the day. Uh, so that's the Guardians. Uh, bullpen. You know, they're able to throw up some zeros, but it doesn't matter because this offense just cannot get it in gear. They just cannot get it going. So it's a tough loss. Like I said, it's a boring game. It's a, it was a really hard game to finish. Uh, that just did not, the eighth inning was the only amount of excitement really for the Guardians. And unfortunately, Jose Ramirez loses the battle to a very good young pitcher. In Andres Munoz. So it's interesting that we didn't see their closer come in in that ninth inning. They let Munoz finish it. I'm assuming we're going to see. I I didn't hear anything about him being hurt. So I'm assuming we're going to see Paul Sewell uh, later in this series. Um, Penn Murphy is another guy out there in their bullpen who's very good. They have him kind of listed as the setup man here uh, in the Seattle on the Seattle baseball reference page. So we'll see a few more bullpen arms as this series continues. All right, so we lose the first one. That's okay. Put this game behind us, Guardians. You didn't lose any ground in the division. Um, let's go out there. We could still. There's still a very winnable series right here. Uh, the ball clearly just wasn't. It didn't seem like it was carrying. Every fly ball except for the Hanniger home run seemed like it just died out there. There were two good defensive plays I want to shout out. Uh, Benson in center field off of Mitch Hanniger makes a really nice diving catch in the, I believe it was in the sixth inning, uh, where it's one of these nice uh, dying line drives off the bat, 101.6 mile per hour exit velocity, had a 420 expected batting average, and it just dies out there. Uh, it just It was diving out there in center field. It looked like it was going to drop in for a hit. But Benson does a really good job. It's not a smooth dive from Benson, but he gets under the ball and makes the catch. So uh, with Straw getting the day off in center field, Benson is able to deliver some defense in center field. So a really nice catch there. And then J.P. Crawford for Seattle had a great play uh, charging in on a ball that from Josh Naylor that was basically hit in no man's land. 
and he does the glove flip play where he scoops it in the glove and flips it to first base. Uh, so a real nice defensive play there for the Mariners. I'm sure there's other defensive plays that I'm probably missing here at some point. Uh, we're going to have to see what happens with Ty France at first base. Not only did Ramirez collide with him, but I believe it was Will Benson almost also stepped on his heel. So he eventually he comes out of the game. He's just getting too banged up there at first base. So we'll see if we get Ty France back in there at first or if Jake Lamb or Carlos Santana takes over first base for the rest of the series. Um, you know, it was interesting that a guy at first base was getting beat up. And then because it was the YouTube game, you had um, Yonder Alonso in the booth, a former first baseman. So if anybody's doing color on the game can talk about what it's like getting beat up at first base, uh, it was just interesting to have a first baseman in the bo- in the booth doing color on the game, uh, really talking about what goes on down there. Uh, you know, I don't think uh, Rick Manning wouldn't have anything to add to that conversation out in center field. So, uh, yeah, it was interesting that that just happened to be a first baseman in the booth while this guy is just getting absolutely pummeled at first base. So that's all my thoughts on this one. MVP on the day. Oh, God. Uh, I'm going to give it to Sam Henches. I'm going to give it. I mean, I would give it to McKenzie because he did pitch very well. I mean, he goes six innings, three earned runs, two walks, four strikeouts, the one home run allowed, 93 pitches. He's only hard hit six times. Uh, McKenzie does. It's a quality start, but he takes the L. He's the struggles in the first inning. Henches comes in and very solid in relief in this one. So I know it's not a huge impactful part of the game, but he kept us in it. Right, he gave us a chance, sets us up uh, by pitching that seventh inning, sets us up to have a chance in the eighth inning. So I'm giving Henches for a really solid relief appearance, at least on the Cleveland side of the thing. MVP on the day, I think. I mean, MVP on the day is probably Andres Munoz for coming in and shutting the door with the three strikeouts. But uh, yeah, so uh, on the Guardian side of thing, there wasn't much new to sink our teeth into. Uh, a lot of zeros on that board on that box score for the Guardians offense. So I'm giving it to Sam Henches. I do want to dig in before we end. I want to dig in a little bit more on Tristan McKenzie because it is crazy. He's got a 5.09 ERA in that first inning. He's given up 13 earned runs in that first inning. He's given up the most home runs, five home runs in that first inning. Uh, So yeah, I mean, things get a lot better. The third inning, he is dominant. They're hitting 133 off him in the third inning with a 2.35 ERA. And then if he gets into the sixth and seventh inning, the ERA goes back up just above three for the fourth and fifth, and then dives below three for that sixth and seventh inning. I mean, by the seventh inning, he's got a 2.45 ERA on 11 innings pitched where he's made it to the seventh inning. In 12 games, he's made it to the seventh inning. Uh, 245. His strikeouts to walk ratio just skyrockets in the sixth and seventh innings. He just, if he makes it this far, he is absolutely locked in and just striking guys out like crazy. It jumps to a 7.33 strikeout to walk ratio and then an 8.0 strikeout to walk ratio for the seventh inning. So, I mean, incredible stuff there. The strikeout to walk ratio, by the way, in the first inning is 2.86. So I don't know what this guy has to do to get himself going in this first inning. But, I mean, Carl Willis has to figure out something, something to get Tristan McKenzie going in this first inning. Because we're going to need it. In a playoff game, you're not going to get this many chances. 
in a playoff game, you've got to come out there in the first inning and be ready to go. So definitely something. Do they go with an opener? Do they possibly go with an opener in the playoffs to get him through the top of the order and let him settle in in the second inning? Would that work? I don't know. I mean, McKenzie has been, no doubt about it, one of our best starters all season. But the numbers don't lie, and you saw it in this game. The first inning is a problem. It's a real problem. So, uh, yeah, it's incredible. Usually, as uh, the more hitters face a guy, the better they get. Usually, the deeper into the game, the more someone struggles, but not Tristan McKenzie. Uh, the first time facing a hitter, they're a 209 hitter against him. Uh, then they go to a 194 in their second plate appearance, and their third plate appearance, they're a 190 hitter. So it just gets better and better as he gets deeper and deeper into the game. Uh, so I thought that was interesting stuff right there, uh, looking into Tristan McKenzie's numbers. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Seattle. It's those Mariners 3, the Guardians 1. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on Tristan McKenzie. Let me know your thoughts on those first inning struggles. What would you do with him in a playoff series? Uh, We'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.